So, Karen, you know, I never thought I would say these words, but I am excited about my gut. Me too. It's fascinating to think that if you've got all the right bacteria in there, then it can have a positive effect on your hormones. And at our age, it's all about the hormones. I mean, it affects your sleep. It affects your bowel movements. Uh, vaginal health, hot flashes and bloating. I hate bloating. Oh, no, me too, me too. Well, we're two weeks into taking our Better Gut supplements and I am excited to see if it makes a difference. So far, so good for me. Are you remembering to take them? Yes, once a day with my meal. Good stuff, good stuff. Try the Better Gut today to support you through a better menopause. Visit www.thebettermenopause.com to find out more about the science and order your supplements today. With delivery straight to your door and the supplements coming in convenient, portable packaging, they will easily blend into and support any busy lifestyle. You can also sign up to their newsletter and join their thriving community. Right now, you can receive 15% off your first order with my special code. That's K15, K-A-Y-E 15, all one word. That's www.thebettermenopause.com and the code is K15. This week on the How To Be 60 podcast, the Dark Destroyer, a.k.a. Sean Wallace from ITV's hit quiz, The Chase. He's also a qualified barrister, and his closing statement is pretty impressive. And if I had a choice all over again, I would I want to live the same life I did. I wouldn't change a thing. In terms of setbacks, the disappointments, the failures, the successes, why would I want to live a life whereby everything's handed to you on a plate? And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. Hello, hello. Welcome to the How To Be 60 podcast with me, Kay Adams. And, well, I have decided to change things up a little bit. Karen just buggered off to Morocco after New Year, abandoning me, essentially. So I had time to do a little bit of thinking. And, Karen? Oh, yeah. And? I was hoping you'd be a bit more worried. I hope you'd be thinking, Kay, Kay, please don't say you're getting rid of me. No, I never know what's going on in your mind. So uh, I'm, I'm not jumping to any conclusions, but I'm not comfortable either. Starting to sweat slightly, but go for it. What's your plan? Well, no, I was just thinking. I was listening to the podcast last week, and I was thinking. I always say with Mickey Adams and 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 Karen McKenzie, I thought really she, I'd, I'd be better to let Karen introduce herself. So I thought that would be better. So All right. So we I would the top again. Yes. So, hello, hello, and welcome to the How to Be Sixty no, podcast. No, no, you're not with... going to do it all. No, I'm oh, stopping you. Get... You're not going, going to, to do, do it all. You dangle a little bit in front of me, and you pull it away. How to Be Sixty podcast with me, Mackenzie, and her Queen K, <laughs> Queen B K. No. Is that it? Is that good enough? No. No, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, welcome to the How to Be Sixty podcast with me, K Adams, and me, Mackenzie. <laughs> well, so you're going to call yourself Mackenzie, are you? I think Mackenzie. Yeah. Like Madonna or Lulu or something. Guys, you've cottoned on finally. <laughs> so anyway, how was the trip? How was the trip to Morocco? Oh God. So this was the trip for my sisters, three sisters. One was 70, one was 73 while we were on holiday. And off we went to Morocco for, what well, I don't know, 10 days or whatever. Oh, have you ever been to Marrakesh? It's 
I have been mad. Oh, you didn't warn me. It is just madness. Honest to God, we were kind of going around these, you know, within the Medina in these little souks, those kind of small lanes that, you know, that people are selling stuff all the time. And these scooters just flying by the whole time. And it felt like you were actually in a James Bond set. Honest to God, it was quite exciting at the beginning. My God, but see the end of it. We had three days in Marrakesh at the beginning of the holiday and two at the end. You see by the end of it. I was like, oh, no, just get me out of here. So, but I mean, that aside, the holiday was brilliant. Uh, I think yeah, maybe um, you should have gone for like a coach trip to Jersey or something. Would that have been better for you at your age? I do wonder because you know when you go oh, with a, a travel <laughs> company and they build in day tours and you think, oh, God, I can't be bothered with that. I honest to God, I don't want to go around museums and churches and whatnot. I just want to sort of see the... I know what that sounds me. It's me sounds so shallow. And I am. Basically, I am. But I just know what I like. And yeah, I suppose, I mean, the good thing is that we had lovely food there, albeit I don't want to taste another vegetable tagine for God knows how long. But the weather was fantastic. Um, the rest of the place, you know, the Atlas Mountains, beautiful. And this place called Suera uh, on the coast, that was beautiful as well. Very relaxing. And so, yeah, all in all. Good. All in all, a lovely January. And how was yours, Kate? Because it's been a while since I've seen you. How was it? Um, well, to be honest, it's uh, been pretty crap. Um, the weather, the weather has been awful. So we haven't had your lovely weather. You probably know about that. Heard about uh, that. I thought I had a brain tumor, but it turned out to be earwax. But that's a whole other story. Which was, oh my uh, god! So stroke different... and brain tumor almost yeah, within the month. Yeah. Well, it's catastrophizing. We catastrophize as you get older. You, do. you know, there's nothing simple that ever goes wrong with you. It always, well, in my head anyway, it always has to be like the worst possible thing. So, so I, went deaf my, I went deaf in my ear like instantly. Um, had to go to A&E, drama, drama. But you did not. I, I was yeah, told earwax to out. I was told, well, they didn't think it was earwax, did they? I was told to go to A&E because of symptomatic hearing. It was embarrassing. It was, they put me on steroids. And then I got an audiogram and they said it's earwax. So I, I quietly put steroids to one side. God <laughs> oh almighty. God. And then what else has happened that's rubbish? Oh, I've been in a terrible Twitter storm again, getting terrible abuse. Right. And the other thing is, and this is not something I usually talk about. I had this tax battle, right? Oh, no, I have heard about that. I did hear about it. Publicity. So there's no point in me being coy about it. So it's been a horrible thing for 10 years and I've gone nightmare hoops with tribunals, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, finally, they have backed off and I have won and I have been vindicated and blah, blah, blah. That uh, must be wonderful. Well, do you know what? It's strangely not because it doesn't take away how difficult it's been. It doesn't take away the kind of miserableness of it. It's just kind of a pitic victory. You think, right. Right, okay, that's 10 years of wrangling and sort of angst and it's finished, yeah, but so what? But I'll tell you what has been interesting like about the Twitter thing and also the tax battle. I have had a moment of, one, A, with the Twitter thing, I'm 61 and I cannot be arsed with this anymore. Oh, my God, that is playing music to my Years. I thought I'm looking at all this abuse that I'm getting about something ridiculous and I'm just looking at it and thinking, I do not need this shit anymore. I used to care about this and I really don't anymore. So go away. Life is complicated. Go away with your silly opinions. 
And on the tanks battle thing, you know, for years I was embarrassed talking about it because you know, you're worried about what people think about you. You're worried about all sorts of things. Um, and then again, is that because you think people think that you've not paid your tax bill? Well, yeah, what? like they called a thief. It's horrific. Right, right. Got but you now. You're very core, and you worry about what people think. And then again, age related. I think, do you know what? I am comfortable with what I've done. I don't think I've done anything wrong, and so therefore, I've been quite defiant about it. So the good thing is it's been a crap month, but it's been a good month because in my first month of being 61, I have come to the conclusion that the rest of the world can go raffle its donut. That's, so that, you do you know what? It, it's lovely to hear you say that. So you've actually yeah. taken a real shift, haven't you? I, I really, And it's I, a genuine shift. Yeah, it is. It is. So it's actually been quite good from that point of view. Um, so whilst you have been off in Morocco, probably spliffed out your head for two weeks. and I can't remember. Oh, I, here we are. I have had an epiphany, an epiphany. How marvellous. And listen, I get our, the impression Great. that our guest this week is somebody. Well, I'm saying this. I'm presuming he's somebody who's never cared about what other people think, but Oh, he doesn't yeah. come across as somebody that cares what other people think. <laughs> he is Sean Wallace, a.k.a. the Dart Destroyer from the quiz, of course, the ITV quiz, The Chase, and also a practising barrister and former mastermind champion. Um, so that's both me and Sean who are mastermind champions. You're the odd one out here, Karen, I'm afraid. Mastermind? You did not. I we have a bloody mastermind. You did not. I did I mean, oh my God, what was your special subject? Well, Let me think, tea bags or something. What was it? I was on the celebrity version. They ask you things like, you know, is a tomato a vegetable or a fruit? Um, right, even Sean, I get that answer. <laughs> Sean was on the real deal. He is a champion of champions on the real one. So, I, I mean, I, I bow to him on that one. But there you go. I'm still going to hold it over you. Oh, my you. God. Is oh, it I'm a tomato a vegetable or a fruit? It's a fruit. Well yeah, done. Yeah, you can catch me out with that. <laughs> well done. I still want to know what your special subject was. It was uh, the suffragettes, actually. Oh, my God, get you. There Seriously. You there you go. Well, okay. It was actually very easy to study, I have to say. Um, Sean is uh, 63. And what I really want to ask him about, apart from whether or not he cares what anyone thinks, is... If he feels any expectations about how he feels he ought to be at this age, because last week um, on the podcast we had Jay Courtney, the juicy mm -hmm. aka, yes. and I really loved what she said about she called it the otteries, in that how as women, you know, we often get trapped in what we think we ought to be doing. And yes. how we ought to be. Yeah, it's happened at any age. And I think at this age, you know, she was saying she was fed up with people imposing on her what she ought to be doing as a 60 year old woman. What's expected. Yeah. And I just don't, I wonder if that's a female thing or an age thing or whether it's a personality thing. So I I'm thinking see. personality, don't you think? I think, I think so. Yeah, the way you've been brought up has got something to do with it as well, I think. But well, we'll see what Sean thinks about yeah, indeed. whether or not he has ever been impacted by 
the arteries. The arteries. Um, sounds like your arteries, doesn't it? Well, um, yeah. I think his arteries are in pretty good nick, actually, because he does a thousand press-ups every day or crunches. Oh, my God. I'm going to ask him about that. What yeah. is that about? Mind <laughs> you, have you seen the muscles on him? Fair enough. God, did, I'm just, note to self, did I warn Sean about how blunt you are? But never mind anyway, he's probably got that by now. But before we speak to Sean, um, let's have an email of the week. I've got a really good email of the week. Are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. So it's from Gillian. It, it's a long one. It's a good one. She said, dear Kay and Karen, 63 last week, married 33 years, no children, not by choice, unfortunately. 44 years, full-time work, no break. Uh, she's got a funny wee emoji on that one. Having recently stumbled over your podcast, I can't begin to tell you what a revelation, I think she's had an epiphany with us, um, that I found <laughs> it to be. I so identify with many of your topics, conversation and content. She says, I never thought I'd want to retire. As for years, not having kids, I felt a need to be defined by my work and career. This changed during COVID, having spent the previous four years caring for elderly relatives, including a cancer scare, thankfully negative. Uh, with the support of my hubby, four years younger, I decided to retire in my 60th year. No party, celebrated with a Fortnum and Mason's hamper, fish and chips supper delivery and a Devon cream tea delivery. Fabulous. Best decision ever. Following three months off, I returned to a non-management role two days a week. My other days are mine, filled with walks, gardening, lunches with friends and anything I want to do. Yes, hobbies were not my thing either, but now I crochet, I birdwatch, I do creative writing... And yes, I joined the WI. She says that's more cocktail making than jam in Jerusalem. Um, this is an interesting bit for me. She says, I sleep better. I'm less irritable. I'm healthier. In general, I feel like a better person overall. She says, all your topics from teeth to tenor ladies, I'm sure she's <laughs> really going to want to talk about tenor ladies, uh, to Christmas cards resonate with me and feelings and thoughts that I have had or uh, had. Uh, I recall saying about old age and its impact to a surgeon friend who asked, but what's the alternative? He died aged 62, as did my dad. And we owe it to them and others who never reach retirement to make the most of this particular decade in our lives. My head says 23. Sometimes my body says 63. But I'm healthy, I'm here, and I'm luckier than most. Um, She also says she loves her accents, which bring back fond memory of childhood summer spent in Montrose. Oh, Um, he's got stayed. Oh, no, that's Fife, isn't it? Well, that'll be your accent there. Uh, keep on doing what you're doing. It's both thought-provoking and so damn funny. And Aww. I love the sign-off from Gillian. She calls herself a retirement reveler. That's great, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? Absolutely blinking, loving it. A so delighted to hear. Reveler. That's, That's what you great. are. That's what you are. <laughs> keep your emails That's coming great. in. We love to hear how you are tackling the big six. So whether it is still some way ahead in the distance or it is already upon you or it is in the rear view mirror, um, podcast at htb60.com is uh, the address. Podcast at htb Oh, do you want to read it just to sort of make you feel included? Yes, that's podcast at htb60.com. And as Kay would say, repeat it, that's podcast at htb60.com. You sound like it's some kind of middle class sex line or something. That was. Big. Oh, I've been practicing. I'm so glad. Oh, hi. Yes. oh my God, I'm so delighted. Oh, God, Kate, you've made my blinking day. You've passed the audition. I wonder what we're going to call you when you get on the sex line because Karen McKenzie, I mean. It's I'm... not hitting it, is it? No. I'll ask Sean. Nah. If... No, no, maybe I won't. Don't worry, Sean. I'll speak to Sean. <laughs>
Sean, fellow mastermind champion, welcome. Good afternoon, Kay. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hello. I'm very well indeed. So I'm going to get right in there, Sean, before I forget, because my memory's not at its best. With these blinking press-ups you do every day, are you mad? I do 50 press-ups a day, but I do a thousand stomach crunches in the morning. So I get up uh, no matter what time of the day, no matter how cold. uh, And the first thing I do on my bed, do my stomach crunches. Then I go over to the park uh, and uh, we've got a little outdoor mini gym. So I've just finished uh, doing 5,000 metre row, which I had to do under 22 minutes. Yeah, so does the word obsession come in anywhere? No, um, for me, Karen, it's about uh, making uh, an investment in relation to uh, my own general health because my mother and father, uh, they both had diabetes uh, relatively uh, uh, um, in their 40s and their 50s and it was debilitating so far as my mum was concerned. And uh, I vowed uh, that I'd try and keep myself as healthy as I possibly could. You know, obviously tomorrow I'm not promised to anybody and uh, anybody could be struck down by any sort of ailment. Uh, but... Uh, I think that um, if you keep yourself as healthy as you possibly can, uh, you're not only doing yourself a favour, you're helping the NHS. And uh, I want to be as mobile as I possibly can uh, way into my 70s, 80s and beyond. So is it just about exercise or what else do you do? It's exercise. Um, yeah, mainly exercise, I suppose. Uh, and obviously, uh, being a professional quizzer, I spend um, the days when I'm not in court revising. Uh, and again, if you keep your health, your mind healthy, I think that's just as important uh, as any physical exercise you do. So, you know, if you feed your mind with information, because no information, as I say, is useless information, and it keeps you sort of engaged, it keeps you sort of, you know, nobody knows everything. And the more uh, you find out about uh, the world, the more you find out about life, the more fascinated you are about it, I suppose. You sound very disciplined. disciplined. Would yeah. you describe yourself as a disciplined person? A tribute to my training as a barrister. Um, ever since I was 11 years old, I wanted to be a, a lawyer, okay? Uh, I used to watch programmes like Ron Polo de Bailey and uh, Petricelli. Uh, you know, one of my favourite films was um, Paul Newman and the Verdict. And, you know, ever since I was a boy, I wanted to always help people using my uh, uh, skills, hopefully as a lawyer, to try and um, do the best I can. Uh, and uh, I was grateful and thankful enough to actually qualify as a barrister. So I'm really living the dream, I suppose. And, uh, you know, the sort of extra activities of being a chaser, you know, even sometimes I've got to pinch myself that uh, this is really happening, but uh, it is. I, you know, I don't take it for granted because I think it's always important that you put behind and try and pass down what I consider to be the ladder of opportunity for others to climb. God, is there room in there for a personal life? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, although I'm not married, um, but... Um, Give it a partner. I suppose, you can't, I suppose I'm married to my career, put it that way. And, and I like that. And I prefer that. And I'm happier. Do you have a partner? Uh, I've got a relationship. Yeah, I'm in a relationship, yeah. I told you she was blunt, Sean. What can I say? I told you. No, I just couldn't find out much about you. There, there was this kind of, uh, I just dug and dug and dug and got absolutely nowhere. It was a brick wall. So I'm asking you, yeah, because I, I actually didn't have a clue whether you had any children. I thought, oh, I think I've you have a child. Um, and, and that was for a conscious reason when I was a, a young sort of struggling barrister. I didn't think it would right uh, to try and you know bring up a, uh, a child in the sort of, you know, when you're trying to sort of climb the top of that greasy pole. And I've never regretted that decision um, I've got 15 godchildren, uh, two of them are called Sean. Uh, so, you know, I'm the best godfather in the world. 
I, I probably would have been a great dad, but uh, I've got no regrets in relation to that. I do have uh, uh, an ex-partner whose daughter, who I've raised since the age of two, I mean, she's the closest thing to my daughter, Jan. She lives in America now. And I've, I've watched her grow into a wonderful young lady. She got her first class honours degree. Uh, she got a doctorate the other day and I was there. Uh, and, um, you know, she calls me dad. I was saying, um, you know, when we're talking about your exercise, Sean, you sound like a disciplined person. But then you said as a, a 10 or 11-year-old, you wanted to be um, a barrister. Well, that, you know, that's pretty disciplined for a 10-year-old. Um, where did that come from? Um I suppose, uh, you know, I used to watch programs like your law program, and that's what I wanted to be. And uh, the one thing I was grateful for is that I had parents uh, who gave me the loving support and encouragement uh, to follow my dreams. You know, it was really, really tough in the 70s, uh, you know, uh, being black, uh, because educational standards had a low expectation of people who are black. If you're a young black girl, they expected you to either work in a typing pool or living in a high-rise council flat with loads of children running around your ankles with uh, no visible man to support you. If you're a young black boy growing up, they expect you to either be uh, a bus driver, working in a factory, or sadly be engaged in the criminal justice system. I mean, in relation to the latter, what's changed? But um, that's what I wanted to be. And I asked myself, why couldn't I be like that? And, you know, when I had my own heroes like Pele, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, I knew who these people were. They were making a tremendous... Um, um, strides on the world stage and they had the same colour skin as me and I used to say as a kid if I had a fraction of what they've achieved in my life then I'm going to mean, it's going to mean something my life's going to mean something I never envisaged as a 12 year old boy dreaming wanted to be the best lawyer in the world that I'd become a mastermind champion uh, but I am I have as we've done these podcasts more and more you know the people that we are at this age you can kind of take back to early early years, early experiences, early childhood experiences and, and family kind of situations. I mean, you said you had this dream to be a barrister from the television. I to, I wanted also to be a barrister because of Rumpel of the Bailey, sort of holding on to <laughs> the cloak and striding about and things. Um, but did other people see you as a barrister? So, I mean, were you encouraged? Uh, no, no, uh, certainly not my, not my initial school. Um, um as I say, I, when I was 12 years old, I wrote to the Bar Council and I, I, when I got that letter back, um, I was so excited. I kept the letter as a source of inspiration on the war for about six or seven years. And you know when uh, you've got to go through that rite of passage uh, when you're 15 to go and see the careers teacher? Uh, and I remember I went to go and see her and she said to me in a really cold and dismissive manner, Wallace, what do you want to be when you leave school? And I said, I want to be a lawyer. And I showed her the letter uh, and she looked at me and said, you... A lawyer, at best, you're going to end up uh, packing uh, shelves. Somebody like you is going to end up in prison. I mean, she was right about me ending up in prison. I only forgot to say that after having seen my client, I couldn't go home again. Uh, so, you know, to be told that as a 15-year-old that you're going to amount to no, nothing more than um, a, a criminal uh, was um, heartbreaking, to say the very least. But the one thing I was, even as a 15-year-old kid, I said to myself, nobody's controlling my destiny. But the only way I could ensure that, Kay, was to make sure I had an educated mind. One of the, even to this day, I mean, it's going to be 40 years ago in November that I was called to the bar. And one of the proudest moments of my life will always be that my mum and dad were there to see their son get called to the bar, who, who brought the talk like a kid, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be the greatest, and walked the walk. In reflection, it was 
more difficult for you as a as a young black man than it would have been for your. Of course, because I was told in no uncertain terms, you, you a lawyer. No, uh, it wasn't. Uh, when I qualified as a barrister, I'm I'm never going to say that um, climbing, trying to climb the top of the greasy pole was difficult because I'm coloured my skin, because it was difficult anyway. You know, uh, professions like law, medicine, they are seen to be the province of uh, people from a particular social background. Um, and I, I've, I've never been told that we don't want you here because you're black. Um, and it, it's just as difficult for any young uh, fledgling lawyer starting out in their profession. So to help me, uh, I supported myself in the early years teaching at Hackney College uh, four nights a week for 14 years. It was brilliant. Um, I taught so many students. Um, a couple of them came up to me the other day and said, you don't remember teaching me, Sean? No, I don't. I taught quite a few students. And, you know, and they said that uh, your teaching helped change my life. And it's wonderful, to, you know, to know that these sort of little acorns have then grown into their own tree. You know, you, you're saying that, you know, as you were sort of proceeding towards the bar, it wasn't that anyone overtly said to you, you know, you're not welcome here be because... No, of no, no, no but, definitely not. But I have heard other people say, although there wasn't that kind of overt expression of that, they still felt different. Of course, because certain types of chambers, I mean, uh, the type of chambers you, uh, there was a division of the type of chambers and the type of work you did. Uh, you know, there was a tendency of people from uh, uh, my background uh, to be doing publicly funded work like immigration, family law. I was not to be a criminal barrister anyway. You know, uh, the province of sort of commercial law tax, that was, you know, people went to Oxbridge. Okay. That you know, it, I, I knew that, and that's going to be the challenge anyway. That's why I talk about tough, uh, you know, trying to climb that greasy pole. You got to know how to, uh, you know, grab hold because you will inexorably find yourself um, sliding down to the bottom. And there are many times I've slid down to the bottom. Um, but by and large, um, what gave me confidence, um, especially when I did my very first Crown Court trial, when it, you know I was as nervous as hell, and the judge said my closing speech was excellent. Mm. That told me. With respect to my colour, I have a right to be here. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've had a really successful career at the criminal bar. Did you ever feel a sense of resentment to those people around you who were just born with privilege, however you... No, just... you can't help where you're born. And if I had a choice all over again, I'd want to change... I'd want to live the same life I've lived. I wouldn't change a thing. In terms of the setbacks, the disappointments, the failures, the successes, why would I want to change that? Why would I want to live a life whereby everything's handed to you on a plate? Who'd want that? That's a, but, well, you say who'd want that, but a lot of people would say, yeah, thank you, I'll have that. I'll have that. I, I think if you if you to ask some people who, who live that life, sometimes I think they um, sometimes they hate it. I mean, case in point, I think Prince Harry would wish he wasn't born into the wrong fa royal family. I'm sure. Yeah? It's not always sweetness and light. And I think you get a greater sense of accomplishment in relation to climbing from nowhere to being somebody, to achieving something. It's a great attitude, it really is. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that, you know. Um, I suppose that's been instilled into me uh, by my parents. I suppose it's been instilled into me in relation to uh, making the most of the opportunities which were given to me. Um, um, and I was never, ever driven by the fact that people say, you know, said to me that you're not good enough, you can't do it. I'm not interested in what you think. I know exactly what I can achieve. Okay, I might not get it the first time, but I'm going to get it.
So where do you think that sense of self came from? Were you was it just innate? You were born with it. It was a family I thing. Combination of born with it, having the right people to support you, being proud of the colour of your skin. I, I don't think it's a, a, a more prouder person. I, 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 if I had my life again, I'd want to be born black. So proud, so proud of uh, the area which I grew up in. So proud of the fact that I still live on the same road sixty years after you know I moved here. Proud. And look at me. I've been around the world a million times. If I walk down the street in places like New Zealand and Australia, it's all wise. And I have got to step back and think, really? The first time my mum and dad knew I won Mastermind is when they saw it on telly. Do you know where I was? I was in a different country. Everywhere was going nuts. And whilst the world goes nuts, guess what? I need to remain calm. Well, I'm interested as to why Mastermind was such a, a major achievement for you because I would have thought, you know, being called to the bar. It is. Okay, I was the first black person in the show's 36-year history to apply for the show. To apply? My to apply. God. To apply. That's bonkers. I knew it was to win, but I didn't know to apply. Black people do have the same intellectual capacity as our white counterparts. That's why it's important to me and my community. That's why, as I say, um, when people see me on the chase, uh, being the old, only black representative uh, as a chaser, and I, I, I forget to add, I'm the world's first chaser because I was the first person pro- uh, chosen. How do you feel about the fame aspect of it, though? As you say, you know, you're incredibly well known um, from, from the chase now um, all over the world because it sells all over the world. Do you enjoy that side of it? Uh, of course I do. I'm not going to lie. Um, but um, the reason why I am in that position is because the public made me famous. And that's why I'll always be eternally grateful uh, to people who stopped me on the street, who asked me to do a little video message for their grandmother, who asked me to sign an autograph, I will do it. Not because I have to, because I want to. The other side of fame, though, is is there is often people want to know more about you. And as Karen said, you have been very successful in keeping your real life very private. Absolutely. Is that that's a choice? A, uh, yeah, that's a question of choice. Yeah. My, life, my, my, my private life... Is my private life. I, I don't in, uh, uh, I want to uh, inquire into anybody else's life, and I should keep my uh, 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 business private. I'm quite nosy, though. Yeah, great. <laughs> if you nosy by one, I'm not going to get any information out of you. Yeah, exactly. I was as good as the Sphinx. What were you hiding? What are you hiding? I've, I've got nothing to hide, <laughs> but uh, then again, I've got nothing to explain. Yeah. I, I, you know, if people ask me, I'll tell you. Uh, if people, you know, I'm going to open a book, but there's, you know, if there's something I don't wish to disclose, then I won't. I don't have to. So why is your privacy so important to you? Because I, I think it's important that uh, you have a sense of, um, I've got a sense of normality. You know, when I push that, when I push my key in my front door, what happens in this world is Sean's world. Who I invited to this world is my choice. When I go into the public, I've got to be professional. And Sean wanted to be myself, you know, but uh, that's how it is. But when I come home, I like to do what I like, say what I like, invite who I like, because I own this space. It's mine. I love that, actually. I think we should all reclaim privacy a little bit more. We we have become so kind of confessional and, you know, sharing that actually to say, you know what, this is my little patch and everything. I'm going to remind you of that key the next time you ask me to share. I'll not be blabbing. Well, I mean, the thing is, some people enjoy sharing, and I think that's great because I love hearing people's stories. But equally, I think it's quite good to respect it because some people don't like to share, you know. And 
my 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 autobiography is five hundred and thirty pages long. I, it was originally a million words, and during that autobiography, I never mentioned any of my ex relationships once. And some of my ex girlfriends are still sniffed about that. And I turned around and said, "All right, I said, why didn't you mention me?" I said, "A, it's not that type of story. If you want to write about sex, drugs, rock and roll, go and buy somebody else's autobiography." But one thing, firstly, right. What goes on behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. What we did uh, 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 should remain private. And secondly, if you want to write your own autobiography about what I did, be my guest. But in the words of um, the Duke of Wellington, publisher be publisher be damned. If you say anything untrue, I'll say. Simple as that. So you're still in touch with your ex partner? Of course, most yeah, some of them. <laughs> She's not giving up. <laughs> yeah, some of them. Are, I'm, I'm very good friends with them. That's nice. Some of them are still cursing me for the fact that I'm, um, I wasn't the father of their children. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> lucky escape for me then. That's what I don't want to say to them. So what what do you want the world to know about Sean Wallace then? What are the things that you I would want like to be known for? He stands for in terms of uh, uh, being as uh, altruistic and selfless uh, uh, individual, right, who will go out of his way to help you get to where you want to get to. And when you've got there, always make sure you look back. Always make sure that uh, you remember the people who helped you. And how do you feel looking forward at the age of 63? I, I feel fantastic. I feel I feel at the age of 33. I wish I, uh, I, wish I didn't have these dodgy knees, uh, <laughs> dodgy ankles, because as I say, uh, I will do what I used, uh, love doing best, running marathons. Can't run marathons anymore. But the one thing I'm always conscious about, Kay and Karen, is this. Tomorrow's not promised to me. After this podcast, I could drop down dead. Oh, you're good. Yep. But uh, as long as I'm breathing, I'm happy, healthy, and proud to be, pleased to be alive, I'm trying to make uh, a, 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 as good a success in my life as I possibly can. And that's what I intend to do. Karen, I would like to introduce you to my new companion. Ooh. She's called Poppy. She's very stylish, classy, accommodating, versatile. And if you get up close and you sniff her, <laughs> uh, she has a wonderful smell of leather. Oh, I love the smell of leather. <laughs> I'm slightly confused. What are we talking when about? You bag, when you bag Poppy is the style. It's from a small Scottish company called Sarah Harron. Uh, Sarah was working in the corporate world. She couldn't find a functional bag that looked great, so she decided to create a whole range of them. Oh, very nice. Listen, I'm loving the pink lining. God, no, these pockets. I know I've got one for my iPad. I've got one for my water bottle. I've got room for a spare pair of knickknacks for an overnight. What about the handles? Well, you've got a choice. I like a backpack, so I use the backpack handles. Or you've got the short straps. And also this detachable pouch I can take off and either use as a clutch or as a shoulder strap. So I like that. It's like... Two, three bags in one. Yeah. Now, what about the colours? Different colours? Lots of different colours, lots of different ways you can style it. Tell you what, this will see me out, this bag. It's got more years in it than I've got. Also, a great gift for someone that you really value and respect. Okay. Don't hold your breath. Visit the Sarah Harron website now, where you'll receive an exclusive offer of 20% off your first bag. And not only that, you will also get three accessories absolutely free so you can start styling your bag right away. Just enter the code KKAYE at the checkout to receive this incredible offer. Right, right. Well, before you go anywhere, Sean, I've got a bit of bingo for you, darling. 
Sixo and Big Sixo Bingo. I'm looking for two numbers between one and sixty. I'll probably go with my favourite number, uh, which is uh, number ten. And you should. It's your favourite. Two Kerry well to come. To yeah, it. football eyes. I think I was Calais. I used to wear number ten on my shirt. <laughs> Right. I, I, was, I was like a poor man's Teddy Sheringham when I used to play football. My mate used to say that uh, they didn't nickname me Lord Lucan because I always went missing in the box. <laughs> <laughs> right, listen, I'm not making this up, right? Honest to God. Number 10, bingo question, have you been lucky in love? Absolutely. Of course I have. Yeah, of course I have. Right. So I'm... you're 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 still in a, a lovely relationship at the moment? No comment. <laughs> not in court now. Right, okay. Are you in love just now? No comment. <laughs> this is this has turned into a trial. I'm expecting the two of you to get wigs and gowns on any minute. I'll watch the good wife, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, give us another number, Sean, for God's sakes. My favourite number which changed my life, 44. 44, all the four, 44. Hold on a wee tick. Do you get excited? This is easier on you. Did you do you get excited? Do you still get excited at Christmas? Um uh... Yeah, because I'm in Jamaica. <laughs> Do you go to Jamaica every Christmas? Every Christmas. Who's in Who's in Jamaica? Just me. Just you, on your own, you, off to on Jamaica? My own. I like it, on my own. I've got my hire car there, same my B&B uh, uh, or I'd say for the last 25 years. And do I like? Go and see my mates. Make sure I'm at home for 7.30 to watch the American version of Jeopardy. And why did 44 change your life? Because that's when I became a mastermind champion. Listen, thank you so much, Sean. It's been really nice to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Been a treat. Thank you. That's it for another time. Next week, how to eat well, sleep better and live longer. Our guest is Dr. Claire Bailey, who, along with her husband, Dr. Michael Mosley, says she can teach us to do all three. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs>